just to be there and have my whole family watching and my golf coach. Um, I, 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 nothing else was in my mind than just to end, enjoy every moment. And luckily some really good golf came with that. So it was a dream week. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year, and welcome back to the Golf Journal Podcast. Alongside my co-host, Mike Trosel. I'm Dave Giancola. Today, we have an extra special episode as we're joined by Mega Gane. You may know Mega best for her incredible performance in the 2021 U.S. Women's Open at the Olympic Club, where the 17-year-old high schooler from New Jersey played in the final group on Sunday and took home low amateur honors. We'll definitely talk about that and the rest of her incredible career on the course, but Mega was also part of a huge U.S. Women's Open announcement in New York City, where the USGA not only announced that ProMedica would be the presenting sponsor of the U.S. Women's Open beginning this year in 2022, but also a significantly increased purse, as well as some incredible future sites for the championship. A lot to talk about today. Let's dive in. And just like that, Mega Gane does join us. Mega, thanks for joining us. How are you today? I'm great. How are you guys? Thank you so much for having me. Mega, thanks for joining us. Now, last week, you were part of a landmark announcement for the U.S. Women's Open that included a near doubling of the purse from $5.5 million to $10 million, in addition of some, some of the game's really great, truly historic venues, the upcoming schedule. Why is that important to you and other young aspiring players? Uh, I mean, where do I begin? Um, it was so cool that the USJ asked me to be part of that announcement. Um, I know that it was a really big day for women's golf and women's sports in general. And it's so nice to see that these world-class athletes and LPGA players that you know, I've spent my entire childhood looking up to are finally getting the um, purse money and venues that they deserve for such a big championship. When you were there on Friday, and I'm sure everyone's asked you this, when you think back on it, you were on stage with Julie Inkster, five-time USGA champion, including three U.S. Women's Amateurs and two U.S. Women's Opens, and then Danielle Kang, two-time U.S. Women's Amateur champion. She won two in a row. When you look back and they put that picture up of you, and I know you told your mom to get a picture of that, I want that. What did <laughs> that mean just to be on stage with those two legends? Oh, I mean, everything. I, I, It was really surreal. I genuinely have looked up to Danielle Kang and Julie Angster so much. And I've, you know, watched a ton of their highlights and um, they're great people when I talk to them off stage. And it was, it was just a really cool setup to have um, two legends of the game there. And I was happy to be part of it. What was it like hearing them talking about what they've seen over the year and their, their decades of experience? Cause imagine it's cool to be up there, but it's also it's to be a great learning experience for you as well. Yeah, it was it was interesting to see the different experiences that um, Julie had versus what Danielle had because they're truly we're all from three different generations and um, you know one thing that we all have in common is that yes we all played for the love of the game but um, it was interesting to hear Julie talk about uh, you know the purse money back when she played was practically um, nothing compared to what it is now. And Danielle was telling stories about how she does coin laundry and how that blew up on her social media or something like that. And, uh, for me, it was like, I, I felt a little bit out of place because, you know, I live with my parents and I still have to ask them for $10 when I go to go to the movie theater. <laughs> um, but it, it was so nice to see that, you know, they are, they're again, they're noticing a change in trends of what, um, 
four pros are going to make because, of course, they play for the love of the game. But again, it is their career and their livelihood, and uh, they they deserve a prize that reflects that. Yeah, I think you know, seeing the commitment to go from five point five million to ten million, and, and it'll be up to twelve million in the next couple of years, thanks to uh, partnering with ProMedic. That, that's a big jump, and, and taking a, a big chunk like that at one time, I think sh- certainly shows the commitment uh, to the women's game. Now, maybe when you were up there uh, in that panel discussion, you, you talked about how much USGA championships mean to you, and you never forget a shot. Now, you've played in two women's opens now, and, and a bunch of other ones. But what is the one shot that you remember most from whether it be the women's open or the women's am or a girls junior? What's the one shot that really stands out to you as, as you're thinking about that? Um, so I have two. Um, and the first one is from my US am at Old Waverly. And it was in the quarterfinals. And it was this par five where me and um, my good friend Caroline Canales were coming down the stretch. And we both made absolute bombs to eagle the same hole and tie. And it was just like, it was just crazy because I was like, you really don't see that that often. And to be at that biggest stage and we're both just there out there making eagles on top of eagles. So that, that was a really good one. And the second one was on Saturday at Olympic. And it was my approach shot onto 18. I hit this cut out of the right rough over a tree and somehow put it on. Um, that was really cool. I had, I think I had some of the biggest cheers for that shot out of the whole week. I remember that shot at Old Waverly. I was down there in Mississippi. It was hot to to uh, yeah. which which is an understatement. Uh, but you did make the semifinals of that women's amateur, which was really you know on national television where people first saw Megagani on a huge stage. We've seen you in drive, chip, and putt. I know that. Well, and we'll get to this. You really participated in kind of the trifecta of youth programs: the first tee, LPGA, USGA girls golf, and drive, chip, and putt. And we'll get to that. But at the U.S. Women's Am, really that taste of national television, really that national attention, and then. Olympic took it to an entirely different level this last summer. I mean, an amateur, you know, in the hunt Thursday, Friday is one thing, but you stayed on the top of that leaderboard. You played in the final group on Sunday. It was a group of three. When we talk to athletes and we say, keep things in perspective, what was the perspective that you had coming into the week that you had to keep? You had a smile all week. What perspective did you have coming in and how did you probably exceed your expectations? I mean, I kind of came into the week um, for some reason, just knowing that I was going to make the cut. And it was just, it it was, it was never really a doubt in my mind, which is really different from my first US Open because I was like, okay, Maddie, you have to make the cut. Let's just focus on making the cut. And then for that, I stepped up to Olympic and I, I just knew that I was going to be playing on Sunday for some reason. Um, and after the first round, obviously the cut wasn't even in my mind. So the perspective changed after the first day and it really became just to soak in every moment. And, um, I love doing all the press. I love talking to all the girls that came out from the girls golf programs. Um, really got to know my caddy well that week and we became really close friends and just to be there and have my whole family watching and my golf coach, um, I, 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 nothing else was in my mind than just to enjoy every moment. And luckily some really good golf came with that. So it was a dream week. Like I'm assuming you've never played in front of that many people before. So with no, all the never. fans watching <laughs> with your family out there, all your friends, were you nervous? Uh, it seems like you're able to feed off the energy or was it a little bit of both some nerves and some excitement from that? Yeah, of course there were nerves as there are at uh, any tournament, but honestly, I, 
it's, it's not a stretch for me to say that it, it was comparable to the nerves that I would feel at the drive chip and putt um, or some other high level amateur events that I've played. So it wasn't an unmanageable amount of nerves, but they were definitely there. Yeah, and it, it seemed like you were having a lot of fun out there through all of it. You know, it was really hard not to notice how much you were smiling at Olympic. Uh, I'm sure it didn't hurt. You were playing well. But in terms of interacting with the fans, especially the younger ones who you were out there signing autographs for, uh, taking pictures with, uh, in many ways, you've become a role model uh, for many of them. Is that something you enjoy and even think about when you're out there playing? I, I definitely, I'm not thinking about it, but it's good to keep in the back of my mind sometimes because, you know, uh, it's easy to lose perspective out there when you're annoyed you missed a short putt or something like that. Um, so I, I remember that there's, you know, young kids watching me. And if I was young, I'd want to see them carry themselves in a good way and have a good attitude. So I keep it in the back of my mind, but I definitely don't, I don't think of myself as a role model or anything. Oh, I think a lot, of, a lot of young players do see you as a role model now, Mega. And what did you learn at Olympic? Because when I think of other role models uh, for young players, I think of Lexi Thompson, who you played with in that final group. And yeah, Lexi, absolutely. obviously, uh, playing really well at Olympic, couldn't get it done on Sunday. Did you learn from seeing how she handled what happened to her on Sunday in a major championship? Is that something you can take forward and learn from? I, being in that final group, I, I was no, cause after, you know, the first four holes, I was kind of out of the tournament. So I took that opportunity to just really step back and observe everything else going on, um, inside the ropes, which was an experience I'm really grateful for because one thing is I, I started out with a couple doubles to begin with, but so did Gasasso. And on that front nine, I don't think anyone would have considered her to really battle through the way she did. And, you know, double-double is not how you want to start out Sunday at a U.S. Women's Open, but she did, and she was able to lift the trophy at the end of the day. So it really just showed me how much events can change in a final day of a major and that it's truly not over till it's over. And sustaining your emotions and your play through all four days is um, a really challenging feat, and it, you you just don't know what's going to happen. So just never give up and keep pushing through until the end. And, you know, it didn't turn out in favor for Lexi that week, but I'm sure she learned a lot as well. And talking about Yuka Sasso, who you know well, a, a young player who we've seen in a lot of our amateur events. And just like that, she's the U.S. Women's Open champion. What does it mean for you to see somebody like Yuka? I think Mike and I had Yuka on this show a few months ago. What a personality she has, and her smile is contagious as well. Uh, what did it mean to you to see her hoist the trophy? It meant everything. She's she's one of my good friends, and I've looked up to her. And she used to be absolutely dominant in junior golf. It, it was it was nice to see that that success is really moving from her junior and amateur career um, to her career on tour. And she's so fun off the golf course and on the golf course. And um, she, me, and her cracked a lot of jokes that Sunday final round. So I'm glad that I was part of her win that week. It was, it was just fun to see you guys playing together, having a great time out there. And I think that kind of positivity really, really fed out to all the fans out there and all the viewers. It was, it was certainly a joy to watch you guys. And Mega, because you were playing so well, I assume your phone was blowing up all week. Who did you hear from uh, during and after the championship? I heard from like, I, I just, everyone in my phone pretty much. And one of the cool things is I, I heard from people sort of reaching out to me, texting me from random numbers. And it was like, some of my friends, my best friends from preschool and kindergarten. So I wasn't expecting that, but it was like it was a bit of a throwback to hear from all of them. Um, but it was awesome. I, I really didn't respond to anyone until 
after the week was over, but I had a lot of uh, responding to do after Sunday. I'm sure. I'm sure that was in the hundreds. Obviously, you were uh, focusing on the task at hand uh, at, at Olympic, but I'm sure a lot of catching up afterwards. Now, Omega, how has your life changed or has it changed uh, since your finish, your high finish in the U.S. Women's Open last year? Um, I don't I don't think it's changed that much. It's uh, I guess people's view of me has changed, but my life in general, I just uh, it's been pretty much the same. Um, except I have that great experience to go off of, and I have that extra bit of confidence from Olympic. But other than that, not much has changed. Yeah, I'm sure brimming with confidence uh, after that amazing week. And part of the the Women's Open, uh, part of what makes the U.S. Women's Open unique is the qualifying process, right? You've been through it a few times. You qualified in 2019 when the championship was at Country Club at Charleston uh, this year as well. You know, we'll, we'll mention that you're in the final group on Sunday, and I think that gets a lot of press. But it's not easy getting to Olympic period, never mind at the top of the leaderboard. What was your experience like getting there, going through qualifying last year? Qualifying has to be the most stressful type of golf tournament there is. And I, I like to avoid it at all costs, but that's how you get into the U.S. Open. You have to get the 36 holes and... Um, I knew I did it once two years ago, so I, I knew I was capable of doing it again, but I really didn't bring my best game to the qualifier at all. And it was windy and it was kind of cold and I was playing bad, just stalking the leaderboard on every hole. And I got myself into a playoff and then playoff went to two holes. So overall, very, very stressful. And my dad was on the bag for both of those qualifiers, actually, which he likes to say a lot because he's two for two. <laughs> it's the only time he's qualified. I've, that the only time he's on the bag is when I'm playing in qualifiers and I always qualify. All right. That's good for his resume for sure. Yeah. We've seen you qualify for years now though, because one of the toughest things to qualify for is drive, chip and putt, right? It's a big stage yes. for a young golfer. You were there. Uh, you're an LPGA USGA girls golf alum, as we mentioned, as well as the first tee. Um, you've had your coach really for a long time, Katie Rudolph golf coach at NYU. She was there at Olympic walking outside the ropes with you. What did it mean to go through kind of, as I said, the trifecta of programs that the USGA is heavily involved in? And how did that really nurture you as a golfer, uh, as a person on and off the golf course? Uh, Drive, Chip, and Putt really was my first taste of like a national spotlight. And the way that um, all those organizations came together and really envisioned the Drive, Chip, and Putt to be as grand as it is, as it is, uh, is incredible. Like it's a week that you never forget. And, um, a lot of judge and putt alum really bond over the fact about how special that week was and everything around it. And you can't even really imagine what it's like to be that, to be like nine, 10 years old and doing that. And it feels like the whole world is watching you. So it preps you and it kind of builds this, um, builds this type of personality you have to be able to handle things like that in the future. And I'm really, really happy that I was able to get that experience um, more than once. And there's this great clip of you as a youngster when you got to meet Jordan Spieth. And I know you probably heard about it this summer because they went into the archives, yes. they pulled it and they rolled it in during the U.S. Women's I didn't Open even broadcast. Remember, I don't even remember getting that filmed and it came out. 
Well, well, it's a perfect soundbite. You said, if he can do it, I can do it. And here you are on golf's biggest stage. When you think back to all those things, and specifically your coach, Katie Rudolph, who I know has had a huge part in your career, what has she meant to you as now you head to Stanford? How has she really fostered you as a golfer and and shown you the path towards college golf? Oh, she's she's been there really since day one. Um, I started with her when I was seven. And she not only, I mean, our first probably five, 10 lessons didn't even have to do with um, the golf swing at all. I mean, it was about just enjoying myself, um, being a good person, um, having good integrity on the golf course. And uh, she's, she's the one who got me into doing those types of things on camera. Like I'm pretty sure that Jordan Spieth interview, I probably didn't want to do that, but she made me. Um, (laughs) And she just was always like that, you know, putting me out of my comfort zone, whether it was making me work out with her a lot. She used to make me run around a lake a bunch of times and um, doing that or putting me in front of the camera. She really nurtured me to be someone who can handle myself in a situation like the Women's Open. And um, it's kind of like she had that in her mind all along. So very, very grateful for her. And she's, she's doing great things now. And I'm really happy she's the head coach at NYU for the men's and women's team. I know she's enjoying that. So um so grateful that she's in my life. Yeah, it's an incredible story. And before you before you get to, to Stanford, you need to finish up at Homedale High School. I was born and raised, still live in New Jersey. So I'm a Jersey guy. I have a friend from Homedale, and after your story, he now calls Homedale the home of New Jersey golf. So <laughs> Uh, what's, what's it like being a senior at Homedale high school? I know I'm sure COVID has thrown kind of being a junior and senior kind of for a loop, probably not the traditional, uh, experience you would have expected a few years ago, but what's it been like and what do the next few months hold for you? It's been really nice. Actually, we, our school hasn't, our grade hasn't been in school since the middle of sophomore year, which is crazy. And we're finally in person our senior year. So, uh, we're all just happy to be around each other finally, even if it is with a mask on. Um, as long as it's not stuck at home on virtual school, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, Megan, that's, that's great. I think, you know, everyone's glad to hopefully be getting back to, uh, things as they were a couple of years ago, but it's, it's been a long couple of years for people in school and work and, yeah. and everything else. And I know one thing that, you know, you're really adamant about is, you know, being, being a role model, as you mentioned, for younger girls, you were a part of the LPGA leadership Academy this past year at the USGA, you stopped by, said hi, took a couple selfies, you know, for other young girls, school-age girls who are a few years behind you maybe on their golf journey, what advice would you give them about playing the game? I would say that it's it's not always going to be a um, – it's not always going to trend in the positive direction, and it's not always going to be all great and improving. There's going to be moments where, you know, you feel like you just hit a plateau and you're not going anywhere and you're not getting better, but, um, that's totally natural for any level you're at and the best players in the world experience that. So just kind of push through and know that you're going to get through it because it's easy to get discouraged in the sport. So as long as you can fight through those moments, I feel like you're going to achieve what you want to achieve. I, I think that's good advice. And, you know, it's one, one thing I was thinking about hearing you talking about, the 2021 women's open is just how you balance enjoying the journey, having fun with being results oriented, focusing on a process for continually improving. How do you kind of balance those two things, the having fun, but also, you know, making sure you're getting the job done on the course. I think for me, they've always gone hand in hand and 
the thing that is fun to me is the process and the challenge. And I've always been a person that enjoys the practicing and the, you know, just being in my home course and putting in work more than the actual tournaments. Um, if you can find a way to love the process, then I think you're going to have fun no matter what. And the other thing too, I think people should realize is when you arrive at a tournament, you've already put in all the work that you needed to do. And you, you're showing up that week with everything you have, you have your tool set. That's what you got that week. So you shouldn't be trying to like work through something or like put in the work there and then. So in my opinion, the tournament time and the day you're starting the week is, is meant to be fun and you're meant to enjoy it because you should have the confidence that you've put in all of the work you need to do beforehand. I think that's, that's probably why you're having so much success. If you don't enjoy the process, you're probably not going to get the results on the course. So trusting that process uh, certainly seem, seems to be a, a big part of it for you. Uh, now, Mega, we've talked a lot about the event today, uh, the event uh, that was uh, held in New York City about the Women's Open, uh, 2021 U.S. Women's Open. But looking ahead, uh, as Dave mentioned, you're in your final semester of high school heading to Stanford in the fall. What else is coming up for you this spring and this summer? I have the Curtis Cup practice session next weekend, which can't wait for. Um, hopefully I can make that team because that would be, that'd be incredible. Um, and I have U.S. Junior, USAM qualifying for the Women's Open again, hopefully. And uh, and my fall semester is coming up pretty quick in September. So. Wow, that's a lot. And, and, it's, and, the, and, and the ANWA. I don't know how I forgot that one. <laughs> just throw that at the end? Jeez, it was already yeah. packed, and then you throw the ANWA right at the end. That is quite the calendar, uh, and it's exciting. What you have on the calendar, what you've achieved so far, uh, it looks like the sky's the limit, and we just want to thank you, you know, obviously for joining us today, but for being part of that incredible announcement. It, it transcends the Women's Open and Women's Golf. It's, it, it really is about women's sports overall and elevating it, and uh, we're just so happy that you could be a part of it. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I'm so happy that you guys asked me to. Thank you. Great. Well, thanks for joining us and uh, have an awesome rest of your senior year. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. It's an exciting time to be Mega Ghana, and for that matter, an exciting time for women's golf. We can't wait to see what the future holds for her on and off the course. Don't forget, the 2022 U.S. Women's Open presented by ProMedica will be here before you know it from Pine Needles Lodge and Golf Club in Southern Pines, North Carolina. For all the information and to buy tickets, head to uswomensopen.com. We can't wait to see you there. For our guest, Mega Ghana, and my co-host, Mike Trosel, I'm Dave Giancola, and we'll talk to you next time.